I went to church. It was Sunday morning. And I got out of the car and I said, Lord, will you just play my favorite song today? And they hardly, they haven't played that song in a long time. So I didn't know, you know, I just said it because it was my birthday and I wanted something special, right? So I walk into church and I sit down and the first song that they played was that song. And I was like, thank you, Lord, so much. You just, I'm so special to you. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because we are special to the Lord, aren't we, ladies? Well, uh, my title, I don't know where to put this. My title is um, The Wise and Unwavering Widow. And ladies, I want to share with you, some of you know and some of you don't know, that um, my husband had a massive heart attack. I'm going to try to do this without crying. but So I'm just going to share a little bit in the beginning of our journey because that kind of leads into me becoming a widow. So I'm going to pray right now. Father, I come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just thank you, Father, Lord, just for everything, Lord. Lord, help me to step aside, Father. Lord, just use me in a mighty way, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just bless the women, Lord, and, and when they hear my testimony, Father, that they would see you and what you did in my life, Father God. Nothing of me, Lord Jesus. It was all you, Father. You're the one that led me. You guided me. You showed me everything that I learned, Father God. And I just want to give you all glory and all honor tonight, Lord. So just help me to step aside so that you can do that work in me, Father God. Through me, Father God, may they see you and not me, Lord. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in December of 2008, let me take this out. I thought you had that thing that was right here. I thought I saw it in one of the studies. <laughs> no, it's okay. Sorry. Okay, so I'm going to put my glasses on. So in December of 2008, my husband Steve came home from church. It was a Sunday night, and he had a massive heart attack. As a result, it left him in a coma, which at the time I didn't even know what a coma was, actually. They had him heavily sedated, and they put him in an induced coma. When they decided to wake him up after a couple of days, he didn't respond. I was counting the days and the months just to see any kind of movement. They said, we're going to wake him up now, and... You know, he's probably going to be angry, whatever. So we were waiting. We were all there waiting at the bedside. But he never did. He didn't respond. And he was on a ventilator, and he was in ICU. Of course, ladies, my world was turned upside down. I felt like I was in a whirlwind. At times, I even thought I was dreaming. I remember waking up and thinking, is this a dream? I was gripped with fear and anxiety. I was in shock. I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. I had different doctors coming in and asking me all kinds of questions. <clears throat> I stayed in the hospital day and night with my family, all of my family, my children, my siblings. My parents wanted to stay there too, but we were all there. And our friends here at church, thank you guys. And we all stayed there in the waiting room, just waiting to see what was going to happen. Well, my husband remained in a coma. My question to God was, why me, Lord? I mean, God knows my heart anyway, right? So he knew. Why my husband? What am I going to do? We still didn't know if Steve was going to make it or not. I was so overwhelmed with fear, not knowing what God was doing. We spent the next eight years of our journey in and out of hospitals, nursing facilities, which have subacutes for some of you that don't know what a subacute is. There's a nursing. There's nursing homes that have subacutes for ventilator patients. So they have different staffing. They have they have to have a little more care for them because they're in, on a ventilator. Um, in the first three years of my journey with Steve, I felt really hopeless, ladies. I was beyond myself. A lot of you guys can testify to that. My heart was torn apart. I. I would look at Steve and pray for healing. Of course, you know, if you're reading your word and you know all the stories, you know, I was praying all of them. I was slain everything. But for some evidence that he was responding to treatment or stimulation or something, I felt like I needed more faith, more prayer, more wisdom on what to do. I was so overwhelmed dealing with doctors, administrators, physical therapists, nurses, CNAs. I mean, it's, it's a constant 
every day. I thought Steve was going to stay in the hospital until he woke up. Actually, one of the doctors, Dr. Calcat, he came in and said, we're going to transfer him out now. And I said, no, we're not transferring him out. He's staying here. So anyway, he talked to me and explained to me. And I said, okay. So because their protocol is that they stabilize you medically and then they send you off to either Kindred or, or a nursing facility so that you can continue your care. I wasn't resting in the Lord like I should have been. Instead, I was leaning on my own understanding. I was still trying to balance my life, my home life, my children. I mean, my son was living in Colorado, and we had to call him. He had just left. He stayed for Christmas, and then he had to go. So we had to call him and let him know that his dad had a massive heart attack. He was not happy. He was really angry. I saw him walking down. Not that he was angry, but it was just, just his face. When he was walking down the hospital, he was just like, so this just didn't affect me. It affected our whole family. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I began physically taking care of my husband in the facilities. I learned how to turn him every three hours. I bathed him. I cleaned him. I did range of motion. All sorts of other things. And I know a lot of people would come to me and say, Why are you there? They, they have staff. Well, because he's my husband. And I love him, and I knew that I could take care of him better than anybody else could. I did the essential oils because I was into essential oils. So I would rub him and do the, the five things on the feet. And I, I mean, I, I trade everything, ladies. I was very in tune with his medicines, and I knew when he was in pain, and I knew when he was comfortable. I could see it in his face when he would feel uncomfortable. I learned how to do his pillows. I even do it, did it at home, tried them on myself to see what was comfortable and what wasn't. I mean, you do whatever you have to. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I did ask God to give me wisdom on how to take care of Steve and how to advocate for him. I had to get legal papers just to be able to advocate for him because they do sometimes, they give you a hard time. Sometimes I had a lot of obstacles from the staff. I know that at the Lord directing me on what to do. I was in prayer. He was just showing me what I needed to do and when I needed to do it. I prayed for a lot of things in my journey. I also prayed for the Lord to raise Steve from his coma. I was praying constantly. I thought, you know, you raised Lazarus from the dead, and he was dead, and you raised him. So I thought, okay, I have that much faith. So I, I knew God could do it. Nothing is impossible with the Lord, Luke one thirty seven tells us. I thought, if only I had a little faith as a mustard seed. Jesus said to his disciple, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing is impossible for you. I don't know if you've ladies ever seen a mustard seed, but it's as tiny as the tip of a pencil. Because my niece, she brought me, she's so cute, she brought me a necklace. And in the middle, it had a mustard seed. And I, and I used to just stare at that thing when I was just overwhelmed. And I would say, Lord, that little tiny mustard seed, if I only had that much faith. I mean, I, I started to just doubt myself. Jesus teaches that even the smallest amount of faith can accomplish miraculous things. I surely wanted this kind of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, says, Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. But we also know that God's ways are not our ways, and his ways are perfect. I know that, and I wanted God God's will for Steve's life and mine. I was always praying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I even thought of the woman with the blood flow of 12 years. This is one of my favorite stories for healing because I prayed it for myself several times. Um, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the hem of, of his garment and was healed. She had probably heard... Jesus had healing power. She probably heard about it. And when you have a hemorrhage like that, ladies, you're not even supposed to be around the people. So for her to just have that faith, just say, if I could just touch Jesus' hem, I know I could be healed. And she was. I prayed that. Lord, I would even touch Steve. 
if I, Lord, just please, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm praying. I'm, I have faith. I mean, I, I tried everything. But ladies, really, I mean, we know that God's ways are not our ways. His ways are perfect. And I know that God had a plan. I know that now. I look back, but I'm just sharing with you some of the things that I went through in the facility. I wanted that kind of miracles. I figured she went 12 years and then God healed her, so maybe God could heal Steve too. I knew that God was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I always prayed this so many times. I went into the facilities about 9 in the morning. I didn't leave home till about 11 at night. So when I got home, I was exhausted because I did range of motion. I turned him every three hours. I advocated for him. I did my reading. I, I just just spent my whole life there, just about. And I would come home so exhausted that I would just throw myself on the bed. And then I remembered when I would pray that, I remember read you Romans eight twenty six says, this likewise the spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what should, we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which we cannot be uttered. And I remember that. So I remember just laying on the bed and just uttering because I thought, God knows what I need, and he knows my prayer. So it's, it's so important, ladies, that you read your word because this way you can reflect back on things that you need to remember. My desire when I came to the Lord and started learning about God was to become a woman with grace and faith. I wanted to learn how to trust in the Lord. My prayers for the facility were for me to shine for Jesus. I really did, when I was in the facilities, I prayed, Lord, just let me be a light. Don't let me, you know, like I was careful when I would complain about something. I tried not to make it into a complaint because I wanted to be a testimony for the Lord. I didn't want them to say, wow, she calls herself a Christian. So I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to shine for Jesus, and I wanted to pray for the people who are lost, also the patients. I really thought God was going to wake Steve up so he could be a testimony for the Lord. Always remember that when you're going through the storm in your life, that God is with you. Even if you don't feel like he's there, but he is. Months and years went by, and before you know it, three years had passed. I prayed over him every day for God to heal him, wake him up. Then Steve got, he got really, really sick. He got this really bad infection. I have the term for it, but I won't say it. But anyway, and anyway, it's the body fighting itself, whatever. So after three days of them treating him with this infection, they came to me and said, and Marcella was with me, she said, you know, she goes, he's not responding, so we can't do anything more for him. We're going to need to put him on comfort measures. She said, we'll talk about that tomorrow. So I said, okay. So we called all the family together to let them know. We, people, some people from the church came. We were there I let everybody have their moment with Steve alone. My children needed that time with their dad alone. We anointed him. We did worship. They really accommodated us, and he was an ICU. When I had my time with him alone, I really spoke to the Lord, and the Lord really showed me that I really, it was a hard thing to say, but I never told the Lord to take him. And I knew that God wanted me to say that. I knew he wanted to hear it. I knew he wanted me to, to really be able to let go of my husband. So I did. I cried. And I, I said, Lord, if you're going to take him, then take him. It's okay with me. I always remember that one song that said, it is well with my soul. So I said, it is well with my soul, Lord. So we did that. And when the next day came, the doctor came in, and I said, okay, we're ready to talk about the comfort measures. And she said, he's responding. We don't need to do anything. He's going to be fine. So I was kind of confused. I was like, okay, well, what's this all about? So I knew that it was for me. I knew that the Lord was showing me, are you ready to let your husband go at any time? Because he belongs to me, not to you. Have you ladies ever felt like that? God's telling you to surrender something, and you're like, nope. And then he shows you, and you're like, okay, I'll let it go. But it's, some things are hard to do. It really is. I surrendered, and God met me. God wanted to show me that I hadn't fully surrendered, Steve. I was holding on to him. He didn't belong to me, ladies. He belonged to God. But God is so gentle, and way he showed me. 
Me and Steve were together since I was 14, so we had history there. I mean, we were buddies, you know. We, we dated for 10 years before we even got married. So we were, you know, I mean, he was like my best friend. My best friend, my husband, my counselor, my pastor. He was, he was just everything. So, and I went to a women's retreat recently in March, and one of the speakers, and I want to read it, she shared something that really ministered to me, and I'm going to read it to you ladies, and I hope it ministers to you, because I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was doing the study, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's surrender, surrender. So I'm going to read it. It's called Letting Go. There's an ancient parable about how monkeys were once trapped by native tribes. Coconuts were hollowed out and filled with bananas or other monkey delicacies, and then tied to a tree. The monkeys would come and reach into the coconut for food, but the hole in the coconut was crafted such that the monkey could, could put his flexible hand inside but could not pull his fist out. By holding on to the food, he became essentially trapped, trapped because of his attachment and clinging to the food, while all he had to do was let go, and his hands would have come out. His mind actually trapped him by his desire and attachment to food. When we cling or become attached to an idea, a feeling, or a desired outcome, we too become trapped by our minds. And in this case, I was trapped by not letting go of Steve. All I had to do was let go. And then God began to do some wonderful things. So um, just ask you ladies reading that story, what do you ladies need to let go of. I, I pray, ask God to show you, because there are so many things. I mean, not only that situation, but I'm sure next month there's something else I'm going to need to let go of. But that's how God refines us. That's how he helps us grow in him, by letting go of the things. He doesn't just take away. You take away something from a little toddler, and what happens? They throw a big tantrum. You almost you give it back to them eventually. So he knows that we're like that. So that's why he slowly slowly tells us, okay, now I want you to surrender this. Now I want you to surrender that. We need to ask God to search our hearts and take inventory to see what we need to purge. Now that I look back in hindsight, I see that God was preparing me for widowhood. I look back now. At the time when I was going through it, ladies, I did not see that at all. I did not. But now when you look back, you can see what God was doing, what he was preparing you for, and that's probably why that's when you can share what was going on. I needed some kind of hope, ladies. I let the enemy grip me with doubt and fear, which is not of the Lord. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed or discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, Steve got better, and we went to Kindred, and then from there we went to a new facility, which was in Pomona. And that's where he spent the next four years. I went with a whole different attitude, knowing that I had let go of Steve. I mean, yes, you know, he was still in a coma, and yes, we were still in the situation, and yes, I was still doing the things that I needed to do for him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I decided to put, that's one of Steve's favorite scriptures. So I decided when we went back to the facility, and we were in a three-room, so now I had smaller space. I was in a two-room before. So I decided to just decorate his whole room because I thought, you know, if he wakes up and he looks, he's going to say, oh, wow, this, you know, my scripture, whatever. I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, I just wanted, and when people came in, I wanted them to see that he was a person, that he's just not a patient, you know. I mean, he has history. Whoops, did I move it? So I put his favorite scriptures, and another one of his favorite scriptures was Job 23.10, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. He always recited those, always. I put a family collage. My niece made a collage of the family. We put them up. I had worship playing in his room. As a matter of fact, one time, one of the nurses at night who wasn't even on his side, the next day she came and she goes, oh, Mrs. Cameron. And I said, yes, what happened? She said, oh, I was in your husband's room. And I'm like, okay. And she said, and I thought angels were singing. I said, oh, I said, well, because I have a CD up there, and I was playing worship. 
So they would come in just to hear. They, I mean, one of the nurses used to actually sit with him every night because she said she just felt a peace. They just had such a peace sitting with Steve. But for me, I was fine because I thought at least while I'm sleeping, I know somebody's there with him. I mean, I felt like God was doing such a new work in my heart. I was able to see things through the Lord's eyes. I always ask the Lord. Ever since I came to the Lord and I, and I heard that, I thought, you know, Lord, let me see things through your eyes. Let me see people through your eyes. Let me see this through your eyes. Because I do. Isn't that what it's all about when we come to the Lord? We're supposed to draw close to him. So we want to see things through his eyes. We want to see people through his eyes. You know, my situation didn't change. Steve still was in a coma. The doctor still, I had to advocate for him. But God began to give me a new hope. I still prayed for Steve every day. I knew that no matter what would happen, that God was with me and he was in control. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is my favorite scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. God began to show me a new journey. There were many patients there at the facility that needed Jesus. They couldn't even get out of bed. They were, because it was a subacute, a lot of them were immobile. So I used to share with them. I was the advocate for Steve's room with the gentlemen that were coming in and out. Um, uh, the staff, I became very close with the staff. I would help them decorate their, you know, they would, they would include me in everything. They even had a birthday party for me there which I was, I was so blessed. I know I couldn't even believe it that they had a party for me. I'm like, so it was a blessing. I mean, it just, you know, it made me want to pray for them more. I pray for them. Were a lot of them saved? No. But you know what? I loved on them. I loved on them like Jesus wants us to do. You, you love people. You don't need to judge them or, you know, tell them their mistakes or their faults, but you love on them. And that's what I did. I, that's why they probably liked me. One of the patients was dying in Steve's room. They even asked me to pray over him. And I'm like, uh, am I supposed to? I mean, HIPAA, you know. But I did. I mean, I did. It was kind of scary, but I did. I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage the staff. I was so blessed. I really was blessed. It was probably not the best facility compared to the other ones he was in. But you know what? It was the one that God wanted me to be in. So it was perfect for me. I love those people. I love the CNAs. I just loved them. I felt like they started to call me Mama Joan. So that's how much they loved me. Well, I don't know if all of them did, but some of them did. You know, because I was, you know, I was pretty firm and I was, I knew the way my husband, I wanted him. And if it wasn't that way, then I would have to go talk to them gently, you know, like that. So <laughs> nice, you guys. I did it nicely. I really did. <laughs> Remember, I'm being a testimony for Christ, okay? So, okay, where was I? So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. There was a, a man there that worked there, and he was such a blessing. This man went to the Philippines, and then he took a charter to, I guess, a, a, a village that they didn't hardly have anything. So he, he was sharing with me what he was doing, and he takes them tapes and whatever. So I remember going to the conferences, and we always got the Firefighters for Christ always gave free CDs. If you ever go to a conference, they have them free. You just take them. And I had a grip of them, so I thought, you know, I said, you know, do you want to take some CDs? He said, yes, they'll take anything. So I went home, and I gathered all the CDs, and I brought them to him. And I thought, you know, I mean, there's so much going on out there that I felt like all this time I was in a little shell or something, you know. And when I saw all that was going on out there, wow, Lord, I feel like I'm in the mission field myself. You know, I began to feel hopeful in my situation, not knowing if God would heal Steve or take him home. Either way, I knew that God was with me and that he would never leave me nor forsake me. I knew that God would provide. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. God did not abandon me. He was with me every step of the way. I just had my eyes on my circumstances a lot of the times and not on him. Once you put your eyes back on the Lord, you could see more clearly what he is doing in your life. Ladies, and honestly, I think of when I'm looking at you, I can see you ladies clearly. But when I, what I see on my right side is not clear you know, the, the state, the, those worship things, the stands, and all that, that's the way it is with Jesus. And that's in every situation that you go through. 
If you're looking at your circumstances, you're not seeing Jesus, and you're not seeing what he wants to do, and he loves you, then he's going to say, okay, I'm waiting. He's not going to leave you. He's still going to do what he set out to do. It's just going to take a little longer to do it. Let me get a drink. Sorry. So one time, um, God spoke to my, another time God spoke to my heart was I was doing range of motion on my husband. So I was, it's like exercise. Mind you, he's, he's immobile, so he can't move. He, everything you do for him, put his hands on the pills, whatever. And I was doing range of motion, and the Lord spoke to my heart. And you know, ladies, I didn't see him. But you know how you just know when God says something in your heart, and you're like, it's the Lord. He said, do you know how you're doing range of motion on your husband? You're doing everything for him. He can't do anything on his own. That's how I want you. I want you to totally be dependent on me. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's like you, you take it to heart and you're like, wow, Lord. I know he was preparing me for widowhood. I know he was. God wants us to rely on him for everything, ladies. Full surrender. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I could see that God was preparing me for widowhood. God knew what was going to happen next in my life. But once again, he's such a gentle God, and he's concerned about my every need, that he knew how much I could handle. Psalm 119.57 says, you are my portion, O Lord. God is enough, ladies. He gives us just what we need, and when we need it. Well, my husband had another heart attack. And we took him to the ER. And I knew, I knew God spoke to my heart. He said he's not going home. I mean, he's going home. But he's not going back to the facility. I just knew it. I just felt it. And my prayer was always, Lord, you know, I spent so much time taking care of him. Eight years. Seven days a week. People were coming and helping me. My daughters, my, everybody was just a lot of help. But I wanted to be there when Steve passed. I said, Lord, please, you know how you said he gives you the desires of your heart? Well, that was one of my desires, that I be there when my husband passed. I didn't want him to be alone. I saw so many people pass, and they had to call the families and say, your loved one came in this morning, they died. I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I don't even know how I could have handled that, honestly. So he died. He passed in January the 25th of 2017. Actually, he passed on Tiffany's birthday. So a couple of times we tried to make it happy so she wouldn't be so sad. But anyway, he went home to be with the Lord. I told her, you see, you're special. You know, God chose, I mean, Dad went on your birthday. But, yeah, we were trying, but that's the day God wanted him, so that's the day he went home. I felt so alone, so heartbroken. You know how they say you, you, you prepare yourself? You don't. You don't. I was prepared. I knew. I knew what was going to happen. But when he passed, I still went through the same emotions. I felt alone. I felt heartbroken. I worried about my financial situation because he was on disability. Now he's not because he went home. I hadn't worked for 22 years. My husband was the main supplier. So I had a lot of things on my mind. I was going through a lot. It was hard to go shopping alone, ladies. I shopped all my life alone. I don't know why when Steve passed, I couldn't even go to the market. I felt like everybody was looking at me and saying, she's a widow. I, I don't, it just was hard. It was hard for me to group, be in a group of people, even my family. We would get together and gather, and I just felt like I was, you know, like everybody's out there and you're by yourself. That's the way I felt. I just felt so alone. I even wondered what God had for me. I'm like, Lord, now what? You know, me and my husband were partners. We labored together. We did everything together. But now he's with you. Now what do you have for me? Remember, God is going to help you in your walk, regardless of whether you're married or not. It was hard to see couples holding hands, not because I was jealous. I was happy. I'm a prayer warrior when it comes to couples. Believe me, you can ask anybody. I'm an advocate for couples, no matter what. I'm an advocate. But I just was missing Steve, and it was really hard when I see couples walking. I'm like, oh, because me and Steve used to hold hands all the time. All the time, no matter where we were, we would hold hands. So it was really hard. So those are some of the things I went through when Steve passed. Some of you ladies here know what I'm talking about. You know, 
I even, okay, so I, I'll admit, I went to the show one time. I went to see a movie by myself because I knew I had to do things by myself. So I thought, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it during the day. And I don't know why, but there was only couples that came in. I almost left, but I didn't because I, I sit at the very top, so I stayed. But it was really hard. I was like, oh. Once again, I began to cry out to the Lord, and my prayers were, Lord, teach me how to be a widow. Now I need, I'm in a new journey. I need to know how to be a widow. I didn't know how to be a widow. I didn't concern myself because I wasn't a widow. You know, I don't know what that looks like. What am I supposed to do? How do I act? How do I behave, you know? I knew I had to get a job for sure, and I wasn't even afraid. I, I used to pray and say, Lord, I'm not afraid to get a job, but I don't even have a resume. 22 years, Steve was my resume person, right? I didn't know how to do a resume. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I just prayed, Lord, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm scared. You know, I just, where do I start? I was a preschool teacher. I'm, I'm like, okay, my age. Okay, Steve was 55 when he had a heart attack. And eight years later, so I was 60-something, whatever. I didn't want to be a preschool teacher. And nothing against kids. I love children. I was a preschool teacher for eight years. I did my due diligence. So Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.6.7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He also reminded me, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, because when we would have hard times, so Steve would lose a job before he came on staff here, I would, this, I would get on my knees and just say the scriptures. You can do that. Get on your knees, open the word, just pray the scriptures to the Lord. And God was never, he never let us down. It's Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on us. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? I mean, I used to say, Lord, look. I mean, I used to talk to the Lord in the scriptures and say, look, you said it right here. You know, I, I love that story. Um, I don't know, did I skip the page? Okay. So I want to share with you about a widow who lived in Zarephath. There's two widows, women, that I want to share with you. I love the stories from these ladies just to show you how God provides. So we look to God's word to see how God's provision is, and then it, it encourages you to know that God is always with us. And the word of God, okay, is always the best place to go for everything, everything, okay? There's a, a widow who lived in Zarephath, 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16, and I'll just, like, summarize it a little bit. Elijah, prophet of God, was sent to a foreign land during a time of severe drought and famine. The Lord instructed Elijah to go to Zarephath. God had made provisions for a widow to supply food. Elijah saw a widow gathering sticks and asked her if she could bring him a little water to drink. Then he asked her if she could bring him a piece of bread. She told him she didn't have any bread, only enough oil and flour to make one last meal for her and her son, and they would die. I mean, how sad, huh? I mean, this really broke my heart. Elijah told her not to be afraid to go home and do what she was going to do. He said, but bring me a small loaf of bread first. She did. Her jar of flour, oil never ran out. God blessed her. We see God's provision for Elijah and the widow. Despite her dire circumstances, she shares what little she has. And mind you, she's, you know, she doesn't even know Elijah. And in response, God blesses her with an abundance of flour and oil. We have so many promises from God's word. God ordained that whole situation. He actually told Elijah that he was going to instruct the widow to feed him. So for him to just go and ask. I mean, I don't know how he did it because it doesn't say. But, I mean, God speaks to my heart. So I'm sure he spoke to her heart. And she trusted in Elijah because she knew that it was of God. God ordained the whole situation. He instructed Elijah on what to do, and he prepared the widow. It took a lot of faith for this widow to trust what Elijah told her. Because remember, she was going to make her last meal, and then that's it. Her and her son were going to die. 
This story reminds me, reminds us that God is always faithful to provide our needs. Even in the most challenging times, it also encourages us to have faith and trust in God's provision. No matter how limited our resources may seem, it also encourages us to be generous and hospitable, just like the widow. Isn't that amazing, ladies, how the Lord just provides? Well, I did get a job. Let me get a drink and I'll tell you. This is an amazing story. I have two amazing stories. Because I know sometimes we read, you know, what's in the Bible, and then it's nice to see how God is actually working, you know, in us and through us and in the lives. So I love to hear testimonies anyway. So I did get a job. One of my friends came to visit me at my house, and she's a caregiver. Now, I have never done caregiver. I mean, I took care of Steve, but that was it, Steve. And she came to visit me and just, you know, she wanted to see how I was doing. And then she said she had a part-time job available where she was working at with this elderly man who was 96 at the time. He was 96. And she wanted to know if I was interested. And I said, oh, I'm not even a caregiver. I mean, I don't know. What do I have to do? You know, I wasn't sure what I have to do because I didn't want to, you know, like see any, anybody's business or anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I see my husband. I didn't want so she goes, no, no, no. She goes, he's actually, he's, he's, he's in good health. She says, you just, you know, you just give him breakfast, give him lunch, you know, and take him places. And I thought, oh, okay. I said, I could go and interview and meet. So I did. I went. And I met his daughter, who was the one that was taking care of him. And she liked me, so she said, let's give it a try. You work part-time. So I did. And, and then... A couple of weeks later, she called me to her house, and she had a proposition. She said that she wanted me to work full-time if I would be able to. So I said, let me pray about it and see, you know. So I did. I prayed about it, and the Lord said, do it. I checked with my kids. I always checked with Stephen and Tiffany and just, hey, what do you guys think about this, you know. So Stephen's like, yeah, Mom, go for it. So I said, okay. I said, I can do it, you know. I said, yeah, I would love to do it. So I did. I, I got the job, worked full-time. I actually worked with him for two years, and I was blessed, blessed. He was a Christian man, humble, but, I mean, I used to take him to go eat, so we would go eat lunch. I mean, he was just so full of wisdom, and I know that God knew. I, I would sit there and say, Lord, you knew what I needed after Steve passed. It was going to be hard to where I was going to work, but he was just... Such a pleasant man, so wonderful. And um, I worked there like two years, and then in December of 2019, a lot of you ladies know this, my daughter Sabrina had an accident, and she got pinned between two cars, and she lost one of her legs, and she damaged the other leg as well. So she was in the hospital, once again, fighting for her life. We didn't know. They were going to give her the weekend to see how she did, if she would make it. And... Um, I was still working, and I thought right away, of course, like a mom's heart, it's like, you know what? I'm going to need to take care of her. I'm going to be at the hospital. I, I, I mean, I didn't even think twice about my finances or anything. I thought, nope, this is a decision I'm going to make. So I called my boss. I called Cindy, and I said, look, Cindy, my daughter, she's in an accident, blah, blah. She told me. She says, oh, no, no. She goes, I'll get somebody to replace you. Don't worry about it. And I said, okay. I said, I'm so sorry. So then two days went by, and she called me. And she said that her and her husband were praying. Okay, this is the Lord, ladies, okay? We're praying. And see, I was going to collect Steve's widow's benefits in March of my birthday when I turned 65. So I had like three more months. She called and said that her and her husband were praying and that God showed them that they wanted to pay me my wages, even though I wasn't working. I mean, at first, I was like, I can't do that because what, you know, I, I mean, I'm not doing anything. She goes, no, no, no. She goes, we're, Stephen's like, Mom, come on, humble yourself. I said, okay. <laughs> I didn't know I was being prideful, but anyway, you know, he did tell me that. So I'm like, okay. So I called her back, and I said, okay. She even gave me a dollar raise. Okay, ladies, but God, right? Who does that? I've never encountered anything like that. But you know what? I knew it was of the Lord. I mean, she said, we're praying. And God showed us to do this. So they actually had me on their payroll until my birthday. And I was so blessed. So that's another provision that God did in my life. 
that I wanted to share with you ladies. Um, God's provision for me, and I knew that was the Lord. Once again, one of my favorite scriptures, I memorized it when I first became a baby Christian, was trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I put my trust in the Lord. I didn't even think twice about my decision to take care of my daughter, and God directed my path. God has been my strength through all of this, and I know he will continue to work in my life. I will draw near to him, and he will draw near to me. Acts 17.28 says that. There's another widow that I would like to share with you about. Her name is Anna. Anna, she's, oh my goodness, I just wish I could meet her. She just sounds so, oof, like, anyway. Luke 2, 36 to 38. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna's name means grace. And ladies, when I, when I, I don't know, when I first saw that, I just kept thinking about these graceful women. When I first came to the Lord, I used to look, you know, and I was reading, and I'd look at the people in the church. And one of my biggest things was I did not want to grow old and be one of those mean old ladies. I used to pray and say, Lord, please, God, don't, I want to be a woman of grace. I want my kids to want to be around me. I want people around me to be able to come to me. I always wanted that. And I remember seeing Naomi, some of you may know her, Sharon, Sharon's mom. And I used to see her at the church. And I just wanted to go up there and say, will you just cradle me for a little bit because I'm going through something? Because she just, she just had that countenance about her, that Shekinah glory, that, that you know she's been with Jesus, you know. Well, this is what that woman Anna was, okay? She was definitely a woman of grace. And she was a prophetess, which means that she had a special gift of declaring and interpreting God's word. She prophesied about Jesus at the temple of Jerusalem. She was even there when they brought baby Jesus to the temple. What a blessing. She was praying day and night and fasting and spent so much time in the temple that she even got to see when they brought baby Jesus in. I mean, what a blessing, what amazing things God does. She was a widow at the young age, probably 21, because they said back, back in the days they would marry at 14. Mind you, I was just barely dating Steve at 14. Imagine being married at 14. And I, you know, I'm like, so if seven years, I'm just figuring the math, she was probably 21, 22 years old when she became a widow. And um, I think about that. I think, okay, she was married. She was young, 14, 15, 16, doing house duties, doing all these. I mean, she was probably learning about God, you know, because it said she spent all her time in the temple fasting and praying day and night. I'm like, that's amazing. She devoted herself to fasting and prayer day and night in the temple of God. She was totally sold out for the Lord. First Timothy 5, 5 says, Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays day and night, asking God for his help. And I, I feel like that sometimes because... So many times I just feel, you know, so alone. She was a prayer warrior for sure. It says that she came along just as Simeon was take, talking with Mary and Joseph and began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to deliver Jerusalem. She was just a prayer warrior. She was at the temple. And I think, what could they have done? I mean, somebody's not at the temple here all the time. But back in the days, there was always something going on in the temple, and she was there. That's where she wanted to spend her time. But she wanted to be with Jesus. She wanted to be with the Lord. She wanted that. And we, ladies, should have that desire in our hearts, but not to come to the church all the time. You know, although when they're serving and things to do, yes. I love serving the Lord. I really do. I really miss it. 
And I did pray and ask God to show me what he wants me to do. I said, now, Lord, you're my husband and you're my maker. And it's not me and Steve. Now it's me and you. So everything that I do, I need to come to the Lord and ask him. I needed to ask him what he wanted me to do at church. And the Lord has me doing something totally different than what I did before, but that's okay. I'm okay with that because that's what the Lord wants. And that's what we do when we surrender. We say, Lord, here I am, Lord. How could you use me? What could you do for me? Not for me, but what could I do for you? You know, and that's what we need to do when we come to full surrender. There's so many things in the church, even little things that you wouldn't even know they were doing. You just pray and say, Lord, where do you want me? Use me. What do you want to do with me? That was my prayer now. Lord, I'm a widow at night when I'm alone. Lord, I'm lonely. You know, I know he's not tangible and I can't, he can't squeeze me, but I know he's there. And the Lord is teaching me how to deal with that, you know. Um, it doesn't matter, ladies, if you're a widow, if you're single, if you're young, if you're old, or if you're married. Because your relationship is with the Lord. Your relationship, your reading, your praying, your growing. I mean, I would have never been able to weather the storms that I went through if it wouldn't be that I knew. I was hanging on, trust me. I was like one of those people that's drowning that's barely sticking their head. Help me, Lord. But you know what? But he did. And he sustained me. And he helped me because that's what God does. So it's so important when you read your word, you grow, you come to Bible studies, you learn, you that's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to grow, and that's how you're going to weather the storms, you know? Um, let me see. I think I went ahead of myself, but anyway. Prayer, so vital to your relationship with God. Praying for others. We had so much prayer going on with Steve. I know the people of the church were praying. People all over the churches were praying for us. And you know what? If We felt the strength. I don't know what we would have done without the prayer warriors, you know? Um, you have widows here. You, you don't know who's a widow. You have people who are lonely. Don't be afraid to go up to them and say, hey, how you doing? I mean, ask God, you know, I ask God to show me, you know, to let me see people the way he does. And sometimes he would show me somebody who looks sad. So I would say, hey, how are you? Are you okay? And then they would just open up and start sharing. You know, that's what you want to do. You want to be able to see because God wants you to minister. We're here. Those of us that are here, like I was going through the storm, people were coming and ministering to me. My sister was there constantly. <clears throat> My sister back there was there constantly. People from church, Kathy would come. I mean, you don't realize how important that is. Don't leave them alone. Say, well, I'm going to leave them alone because they probably don't want me there. No, you know what? Sometimes a kind word, a send them a psalm, you know, just call them and say, hey, I called to pray with you. Is that okay? You know what? It's, it's what we need. We need to help each other. Iron sharpens iron. And some of them, when you're going to the storm, you're not able to see. When I was going to the storm, I needed that because I was so overwhelmed with what I, what I was going through. The men's ministry, when we went to Pomona, started coming every Monday. I'm sweating, you guys. So <laughs> the men's ministry started coming on, in twos. On Monday night, they would come, and then I would leave, and they would do whatever, pray, read with them. Three Mondays, they would do it, and then on the fourth Monday, they all came, and they did worship. And then the women's ministry came and did worship. Where's Lily? Lily, yes. And they were so cute. They sat there, and they worshiped with Pastor Steve. And even one time, Lily said, look, he's smiling. And that just blessed my heart when she did that. So you know what? There's so many things, ladies, that you could be doing. Um, let me see. The staff at the facility was blessed hearing the ladies worship. They were like, gosh, it sounded like angels coming from the room. You know what? People are watching. And not that, you know, you have to perform or anything like that. But you know what? They're watching how you handle things. I had a, a nurse come up to me and say, Mrs. Cameron, can I ask you something? I said, sure. He said, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what he's going to ask me, but anyway, yes. He said, do you know, he says, why my wife wants to know, because I told my wife about you, that you come every day. Why do you come every day to the facility to take up your husband? 
And I said, you know, because I love my husband, and I took a vow with him, with my husband, with, with our marriage. And in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And that's why I'm here. Because I, I feel like I, I know you guys take care of them. I didn't want to insult. I know you guys take care of them, but what better thing to take care of them than your own hands and his wife, his children, because the kids went and took turns. So, you know, it's so important, ladies. Read your Bible. Draw close to the Lord, especially now these times. These studies are so amazing. I did watch a lot of them. Um, let me see. Trust in the Lord because he loves you. We are daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And never give up, ladies. God loves you so much. You are his prized possession. And um, I just encourage you, ladies, you know, don't be afraid to call a widow. Don't be afraid to call somebody who's going through something because it, it helps. I mean, you just never know. They might be just there waiting for like, well, I wish I could, somebody would encourage me. I wish somebody would give me the word or, or send me a scripture. It's so important, ladies, to do that. I encourage you ladies to, um, to do that in your life. And I don't know if you want to sing that song again, that song. God, I look to you. You guys, the words are so amazing, okay? You're going to look to the Lord and ask for wisdom. It, look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you where, help, where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Ladies, it's so important that you look to Jesus. He's the only one that can help you. He's, he's, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he'll always be there with you. He was with me. Some of you ladies can testify to that that are here that know me. And I couldn't have done it without him. So let's pray. Father, I come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father. Lord, and I thank you so much for your word, Lord. It's so powerful, Lord. And Father, I pray for these women, Lord God. Lord, that you would just, whatever they're going through in their season, Father God, that you would just touch them right now, Father God. Lord, that you would encourage them in your word, Father God. Lord, that you would remind them of how much you love them and how much you care about every little detail in their lives, Father God. I pray, Father, that you would just baptize them with your Holy Spirit now, Father God, and, and baptize all of us with your Holy Spirit, Father, and just do a mighty work now, Father God. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.